Welcome to Glory to Glory, the radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. Join us now as Pastor Joe teaches from the book of Proverbs, chapter 20. You know, we've been looking at the Proverbs, and I've been calling it the wise sayings of Solomon. And it's just so wonderful, just gleaning off the wisdom of Solomon. And there's so many uh, different topics we look at every Tuesday night here that, I mean, there's definitely something for everybody. Every Tuesday night, there's something here that, uh, that's going to apply to you. So, uh, so it's been wonderful uh, that we can glean off of this. Helpful stuff. Uh, very exciting book to read. Very exciting book to study. Um, so why don't we just dig in and read verse 1 here. Proverbs 20, verse 1. And Solomon writes, Wine is a mocker, strong drink is a brawler, and whoever is led astray by it is not wise. The Bible makes it very clear that drunkenness is sin. And, you know, you hear people debate, you know, about, I hear it all the time, you know, I get questions like that, you know, is it, you know, is it okay to drink if you're a Christian and, and that type of stuff. And uh, for sure, the Bible makes it very clear that drunkenness is a sin. There's, there's no doubt about that. And matter of fact, it's such, you know, you know, sin keeps us out of heaven. And in Galatians chapter 5, verse 21, it makes it clear that those that practice drunkenness, I mean, there's a list of different ones, but for now, because we're looking at, you know, strong drink and drinking and all, but uh, drunkenness is on that list. If you practice such things, it says, don't be deceived. You're not going to go to heaven. That's strong. You know, to make that statement, that's God's word. That's not my word. So you don't want to be one that's caught in drunkenness, to be drinking in excess, as it talks about in Ephesians chapter 5. You don't want to be one that's drinking in excess to be drunk. Um, and you get people that say, well, Ken, what about having a glass of wine with dinner and all that kind of stuff? And, you know, that's all between you and the Lord. Drunkenness for sure is sin. Um, when you look at drinking in public, you can make somebody stumble possibly, uh, I had a pastor friend of mine mention that uh, he went out to, I think I might have shared this once before, but he went to like Chuck E. Cheese or one of those places, and uh, he's a pastor, and his brother, his brother or brother-in-law, you know, ordered a pitcher of beer, and he, you know, he's going to drink a pitcher of beer, and he, he told him, he says, you know, do you mind, Cause you, uh, because you're sitting with me, do you mind, I don't mind that you drink, that's up to you, that's between you, and, you know, but, but uh, do you mind, I just don't get a piece about you having that at the table, and so his brother-in-law said, yeah, okay, cool, you know, no big deal. Well, this pastor sat down, and a big, huge youth group recognized this pastor. They came up to the table, and they're like, pastor so-and-so, oh, we love you, and da-da-da, and they're high-fiving him, and he's talking with them, and the, the youth group, you know, went away, and he says, now see, he says, what if, for example, you know, we had this pitcher of beer here, and they, you know, and they didn't even come up to the table, and they were looking at that, thinking, well, pastor so-and-so drinks, so why don't we drink? It's okay that we can drink. So sometimes we can make others stumble with our freedom, so just to be careful with that. So, but right here, wine is a mocker. So let's take it at what it says here. Wine is a mocker. 
The word mocker means to, to talk arrogantly, to boast, to scorn. So wine can influence the way you talk. It can influence what you're saying. It can, you know, do you ever, I'm sure we've all seen people like that, where they start drinking all of a sudden, they're just, you know, they're arrogant or they're boasting and they're saying things. And then you're looking at that person thinking, wow, they never talk like that when they're not drinking. Why are they talking like that right now? So wine is a mocker. It could affect the way you talk. And strong drink, which refers to hard liquor, um, is a brawler. And that word brawler means to take, uh, excuse me, to make a loud sound, to rage, to be in an uproar, to cry aloud. We've never seen anyone do that, have we? Have they drink now? Nah, come on. They used to have relatives like that, but... But notice again, before we go to the next verse, and whoever is led astray by it is not wise. That's, that's strong wording there. It gives, it gives us the picture of uh, the alcohol can lead you astray, can lead you down the wrong way, can read, lead you in a way that's, that's not helpful. Not even that. It says, you know, it's not wise. So... I think of, you know, if I was to go to, like, you know, Pastor Chuck's house and, you know, if you just want to, and I need counsel, I need a word or something, I would just knock on his door. And if I saw him come to the door with a martini, a martini in his hand, he's like this, you know, say, oh, come on in, you know, just, you know, I, I don't think I'd want him to counsel me. That, he, that would never happen, but I, I just picture that, you know, it's like, it's not wise. It's going to lead you astray. You don't want counsel from somebody that's under the influence and not only that, it can cause problems, as we just saw, negative speech, uh, outbursts of you know, loud, raging things that can happen. And uh, In my family, I, I saw problems when I was younger, so I'm not a big fan of it. Verse 2, the wrath of a king is like the roaring of a lion. Whoever provokes him to anger sins against his own life. There's some things that, are, that just, you just don't do, uh, basically. I, I believe it's, it's stating, like provoking someone that rules over you. In, in this case, it's the king. But I think it's you know, someone that rules over you. If you're provoking them to anger, you're, you're creating problems with yourself. You know, you'd never want to, you know, if God has you know, someone over you, in, you know, be it in ministry, be it in, in the workplace, you, know, you don't want to provoke that person to anger. I mean, it just is, and I've seen people do this before. I'm like, what are they thinking? You know, do they know that he signs the paycheck? I mean, do they? It's like, why are you getting him upset? You know, and I, I've seen it even sometimes where they, they do it to provoke them because they just want to get fired. They're, they're sick of their job. They're like, yeah, like, and it's almost like, go ahead, fire me. You know, and they just kind of, they act unruly because they want to get fired. And it's like, but it's, it's, it says right here, you're sinning against yourself. In other words, you're, you're bringing trouble upon yourself. You know, don't blame anybody. If you're provoking someone that rules over you to anger, don't blame anybody else. You're, you're sinning against yourself. You're only hurting yourself. So, so a great warning to respect those that God has placed over you. It is honorable for a man to stop striving since any fool can start a quarrel. Just good practical stuff here. The word striving means a dispute or a quarrel or a strife. So it's good to stop those things. When a quarrel is taking place, it's good to be one that, that makes peace, that stops that. You know? There's some people that, that like to quarrel. There, there's some people, you know, I know some people that are, they love to dispute all the time. They like to argue. They like to debate. They like to, and it's just a, it's kind of like, you know, and, but it's, 
it's, anybody can start a fight at saying. Anyone can start a quarrel. That's easy to do. It's very, very simple. You know, any one of us, if we, it's, we can get other people upset at us. That's, that's easy. But, you know, the picture here is, you know, you, you want to be one that stops that. I remember before I knew the Lord, I used to, one of my friends that I used to go out with, after he had a couple drinks, he always wanted to fight somebody. And it was difficult going out with him because he was a big guy, 230 pounds, 240, and he'd always try to get, go up against guys bigger than him. And here I'm not that big, you know. <laughs> and I was the peacemaker. I mean, every single time I'd get, I'd get in the middle there and I would stop it. I'd say, wait a second, hold on, hold on a second. I would talk to my friend and, and say, he, and I would apologize, you know, because it was always him. He was provoking it. But it was kind of a thing I would just do. I knew, you know, I'd make peace and... and and it was a blessing to do that. I think, thinking back, as I was putting my notes together, I'm thinking, I think we only got in one fight. Out of all those years, I would hang out with them. One time, you know, we, we had a fight, and I wasn't able to stop it. I was involved in it. It was terrible. But uh, making the peace. Jesus said in Matthew 5, 9, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. It's easy to start a fight. It's a reminder here, a wonderful reminder for us to be peacemakers, to on our end, to go the extra mile not to start a fight, to, to go the extra mile, you know, you, you know, to maybe swallow your pride when something's happening and saying, you know, okay, I know they shouldn't have said that to me, but you know what, I'm just going gonna, gonna to let that go. It's okay, you know, and pray over it before you, you start a fight and start an argument so it's honorable. Actually, even that word honorable, like it's, it's a word that's... It's, the root word of it's like kabod, which is interesting. Kabod, the glory of the Lord. And, it's that, and it brings like just, uh, you know, it brings glory to the situation. When you stop something that was going to get ugly and you go in and you start, you know, you know bring the, bringing the peace in, it's like God's presence can come back in. His glory can, can meet you there in a special way when you do that. So, great warning. Verse four, the lazy man will not plow because of winter. He will beg during harvest and have nothing. Throughout the, the Proverbs, we've been looking at the lazy man, the sluggard, the, you know, the, those that are, are lazy, and, and never does it talk you know, in, a, in a positive way about being lazy. So you, you need to know that. But this particular picture is a lazy man. He says he's not going to plow in the wintertime. In other words, it's, it's a picture of he's saying, you know, it's cold, so I'm not going to plow. I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to go out there and, and do the work I'm supposed to do during the time I'm supposed to. It's just too cold out there. And he's lazy, so he's making up an excuse why not to go to work, why he's not going to go to work. And then what's going to happen? He's not going to have anything. He's going to have to beg because he's not working. The Bible makes it very clear if a man does not work, he doesn't eat. And I think sometimes, you know, Lord, help us with discernment with some people that that. They're able to work, but they're just lazy. And sometimes I see other people constantly giving them things and giving them money. I'm like, well, why aren't they working? Are they, do they have a problem? Can they, can't they work? And sometimes, in some cases, it's just that they're lazy or they're, they're drunkards, and they, you know, so they can't get up in the morning because they're getting drunk all the time. And, and then there's other people paying. They're working hard, and, and they're paying for all that. I'm like, what's, you know, what's wrong with that picture? We're to be wise because, yes, we're to help the poor, absolutely, and we're to help those in need. But if they're able to work, the Bible makes that very clear that 
you know, they're to work. Otherwise, don't feed them. And if they get hungry enough and they're not fed enough, they're going to go to work. So you have that picture of the lazy man here. I think about spiritual laziness also. Sometimes it's not easy to plow through the Word of God, you know, to, to go in and plow through verse by verse, like we do here at you know, Calvary Chapel, verse by verse. And sometimes you know, there's a, a little work to that. There's, it's, it's not as, you know, as fluffy and it's not as, you know, as a topical study. Like, you know, and it's, you're plowing through. But the benefits of it, and we have to trust by faith, the Bible makes it clear, as we plant the Word in our heart, we're going to grow spiritually. That's just, it's just the way it is. And just like when you're a farmer that puts out all the seed and, and he's out there just, you know, he's putting down the seed. Well, he knows, guess what? He's put down a lot of seed. There's going to be a harvest. There's going to be fruit. And we need to trust that. We need to trust that, you know, the word of God is we plant it in our hearts and we're, 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 you know, hanging out in the word like we're doing tonight. We're going to grow spiritually. I am so thankful. And I, I just want to say, when I was out in Michigan, Many, many, many years ago, I'm so thankful that there was a good Bible-believing church. There was a Calvary Chapel right there. My brother-in-law was the pastor. And I remember just being a baby Christian. I remember going to one church, and, and they, they, I think they used one verse, one Bible verse for the whole study. And they talked about that one Bible verse, Bible verse, and it was just like, they were just talking about all kinds of stuff, and it was just this, this going on. And then you go through some of these ritual things and go to the, And then I remember, okay, that's good, all right. Then I went to the other church, and they were just in the Bible. And as a baby Christian, I remember, wow, I just got fed. I had a little snack over there. That's all I could think of. The way I could, I didn't understand was because, like, okay, that was a little teeny snack that made me hungry for more. But, but right now, I just got fed. There's just the, the word of God is being taught and it's being explained. And I was like, wow. And from that day forward, that's it for me. That was it. I, I never went back to those other churches. I went, you know, I stayed in the churches that, that stayed in the word of God. And the spiritual growth that comes from that, you won't, you can't get it anywhere else. Oh, the word of God. So I think of this, you know, you have some people that are lazy and say, oh, I'm not, I, you know, I feel cold. I, I'm not too, I feel cold spiritually. I don't know if I want to spend time, you know, I don't really get into that kind of stuff. And they're losing out and they're, they're spiritually, they're, they're hungry. They're, they're spiritually dry. We need to be equipped for this world, don't we, guys? This is the best way we can get equipped for the world. It's the word. Because every answer, every, every question, an answer for every question that the world has, we can find it in the Word of God. It's, it's here. And it's so powerful and it's so awesome when the world is asking questions and you're able to just fire away and think, wow, they, how about this? And well, the Word of God says this. And well, the Word of God says that. And the Word of God, and you're just planting all that good stuff in their hearts. But it's not going to happen if you're not plowing. I'm telling you, when Christians would plant the word of God in my heart when I was out in the world, it stuck with me. Did that happen to you? It stuck with me. I couldn't get it off. I couldn't shake it off of me. They, you know, they would you know, plant the word of God. Oh, Jesus Christ, this and that. Died on the cross for your sins. And they, were, they were planting the word of God in my heart. And then I'd go home and I'd just think of that stuff. And they, they planted it in me. And, they, and you know, the conviction of the Holy Spirit brought me to a place where I was like, I need God. Because there was those that were faithful to plow and to plant. Let's not be lazy, as it talks about here, spiritually. The lazy man will not plow. 
because of winter. He will beg during the harvest. I think of the virgins, the, 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 the lamps with their oil, and some, they didn't have their oil, their lamps filled. And then they wanted to go to their friends. And they're like, Sorry. Lord's coming soon, guys. I pray we're watching and we're waiting. That we're looking up, knowing our redemption draws near. Not ashamed at his coming, saying, yes, Lord. Verse 5. Counsel in the heart of a man is like deep water, but a man of understanding will draw it out. Basically, a wise man, a man of understanding, he knows how to communicate in such a way to draw out that deep, that good stuff from some people. He's able to do that. Verse 6, most men will proclaim each his own goodness, but who can find a faithful man? This is so true, isn't it? Most people, if you ask them, you know, especially those that are not church people, those that are not born again, ask them, do you, would you consider yourself basically a good person? And what do you usually find? Have you ever do that before? Most, most everyone, that I don't think I've ever met some, well, maybe one or two people that said, no, I'm terrible. But most people say, oh, yeah, basically I'm a good person. I'm good. And most people proclaim their goodness. They'll say, yeah, I'm a, basically I'm a good person. And this is what I used to say before I became a Christian. I used to say, well, yeah, I'm a good person. I don't steal. I, I've never murdered anybody. Never done that before. And I, I would, you know, compare myself to the next guy. And I, I thought I was pretty good next to some other people, these guys in, in prison. I was pretty good. And most people will proclaim that. They, and this, this is a true statement, obviously. Most people will p- proclaim their goodness. The problem is, though, the Bible makes it very clear. We even looked at the psalm on Sunday in Psalm 14, verse 3. It says, there's not one good, no, not one. And that's God's estimation of man apart from Jesus Christ. There's not one good apart from Jesus Christ. Not one, not even one. There was not one man that walked this earth that was good, good enough to go to heaven. Not one. So how is it that that man is so deceived thinking, oh yeah, I'm basically pretty good. And I believe it's, you know, it's kind of our, it's, we're obligated or we're commanded basically to communicate to them the truth that, wait a second, based on the Bible or based on what God says, you're not good. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Everyone is a sinner and everyone needs a savior. And I think the lie that people are under, when they, when they feel that they're good, they, they feel that they don't need God because if, as long as I, you know, I'm pretty good, then I'm just going to go to heaven out of my goodness because I'm a, basically a pretty good person. And when someone comes along and tells them, you know, well, guess what? Based on the Bible, really, truly, you're, you're not a good person. And I, I used to get stirred up when people would tell me that. And I would pull out that verse and say, you know, judge not lest you be judged. I used to come up with that one. And I think, you know, I was telling my wife this the other day. I was, I was thinking, I never really, I never read the Bible. Where did I come up with that verse? I don't know. I mean, I truly think, just my opinion here, but I think, you know, demonically, the enemy was quoting scripture to me to help me out there. I truly, I, I believe that. Because I never read that in the scriptures. I never read the Bible. They just popped in my head once when my sister was telling me, oh, you shouldn't be living in sin. And I said, well, doesn't the Bible say? And I'm thinking, I'm quoting scripture. (laughs) Judge not lest you be judged. 
And I was almost like, well, how about that one? <laughs> I was like, what? Totally taking that out of context. There's no way. But what it was, it was, you know, people, Christians in my life were a bright light, and I was in such darkness. I was like, get away from me. Because I thought I was okay, but they were saying, no, you're not okay. But each man proclaims it. Each man will say it. And I believe it's important. Uh, just the, the, the verse I quoted was in Romans 3, 23. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, if you're not familiar with that one. It's a, a very powerful verse. And it's good to share that with those that you love, that our goodness, we, don't have, we, don't, are, we are not good apart from God. And if we've broken one of the, the commandments, we, we've broken all of them, basically, the Bible teaches. But who can find a faithful man? Who can find a faithful man? That's a powerful statement there, isn't it? Who can find? The, the Bible itself is saying, you know, everyone can proclaim their goodness, but who, who can find, truly, who can find a faithful one? Who can find a faithful man? And, you know, I... There's a difference between a man of faith and a faithful man. There's a difference between a man of faith and a faithful man. There, you know, a, a man of faith, yes, there, there's, there's plenty of men of faith, men that give their lives to the Lord and they have faith, but, but who can truly find one that's faithful? Faithful in what God has called them to do. Faithful to, to, to put their hand to the plow and not look back. And the Bible makes it very clear. Who can find that man? And I, I find in ministry sometimes, like, who can find a faithful man? And the, the Lord has raised up, you know, great, you know, people here and faithful men, faithful women. But, you know, I, I look sometimes and I'm like, well, wow, Lord, I, I want to be a faithful man. And I want to encourage every one of you here, according to the word of God, as we look at this, you know, God is looking for faithful men and women. He's, he's looking for us to be faithful. Yes, we're to be men and women of faith, but, but are we faithful at what God has called us to do? Are we, are we doing what the Lord has called us to do? Are we going forward in the things that God has called us to do? Or are we so distracted that we're not faithful? We have an adversary out there that's so crafty that wants to keep every one of us out of what we're supposed to do, keep us away from what God has called us to do. And he won't spare any expense. I remember the day the Lord called me out of the corporate world. I was at a conference. I was a youth minister in Michigan. There was a conference in Indiana. I remember sitting after the, I believe it was Damien Kyle that, that spoke the Holy Spirit was ministering in such a powerful way. I didn't even want to move. I didn't even want to get out of my seat. I just sat there. I was like, God, you're so good. And just about everybody cleared out of the hall. And everyone was, it was in between teachings. And then the new worship team was coming up. And they were getting ready and practicing and getting ready. And I was looking at them. And I thought, wow, boy, it looks like they're in full-time ministry. And thought, wow, that'd be awesome to do. I was running a corporation, and that was going real good. But I was looking at that, and I was thinking, man, they're in full-time ministry. I couldn't even imagine what that could be. Wow, that'd be so awesome to do that. And that'd be, I'm just, in my heart, I'm just talking to the Lord. And, and the Lord spoke to me very clearly and said, let it go. And he meant my, my career. And it was so powerful. If I ever knew that God spoke to me, that's one of the times that I could say, I heard the voice of God strongly tell me, let it go. Five years later, some guy named Joey Baran was speaking. Never heard of the guy before. Jeremy Camp was doing the worship. 
believe it was at Jeremy Camp's father's church there in Indiana, was blown away at every session. And Joey Baran, in one of the last teachings, was teaching out of Ecclesiastes. There's a time and a season for everything under the sun. And he stopped and said, the Lord's speaking to somebody here about your job, your work, your occupation. He hasn't said anything to you except let it go. He said, you need to let it go. That was the calling of the Lord. You have been listening to Glory to Glory with Pastor Joe Pettig and Outreach of Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. If you would like to enter into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, call now at 714-788-8221. That's 714-788-8221. We'd like to extend an invitation to visit us here at Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. Our address is 16450 Pacific Coast Highway in Huntington Beach, California, 92649. We're located in Peter's Landing Marina in Huntington Harbor. Our service times are Tuesday evenings at 7 p.m. and Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. Now, may we continue to go to His throne of mercy as He changes us from glory to glory. As we come to your throne of mercy, it's the sound of our singing praise. It's the sound of our